Hi, and welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Roost, and today I have a very special guest, a man who, on the back of a drunk email, made a million pounds in revenue. That's right. Today, we're going to sit down with John Buchan, and this is a very special episode. First of all, this was the very first live episode ever recorded at the Unconventionalist with a live audience. So big, big shout out to General Assembly who made this possible. And we recorded this over at WeWork near London Fields. So this was a very special interview for me because it's been a dream of mine to get a live audience and to interview people and almost have this kind of intimate moment fireside chat style interview and so this was made possible. Now if you've been following my YouTube channel you would have seen the shorter version of this interview. I put a 14 minute video interview so if you can go over on youtube.com forward slash Mark Roost and you can check out the episode with John if you want to see the setup and, and see us in person interacting. But I wanted to give the full, unedited, 30-minute version of the interview for you, listeners of the Unconventional Podcast, because I am so in awe of you, and I appreciate you so much for sharing this podcast with your friends and family and colleagues and posting it and sharing it and letting me know how much this is impacting you and how much this is changing your life. And, and I just feel so blessed and honored that I get to sit down, speak and share some stuff with you that hopefully helps you in some way, whether that's your business, your life, or your goals, and everything in between. So I'm not going to go too much into the story of John Buchan because he talks about it a lot in the interview. But the bottom line was six years ago, John, like many of us who runs their business, came at a point where he was just running out of word-to-word leads. And so what he did was what anyone would really do. He got drunk. And so he got drunk and wrote an email and when he woke up the next day, he actually thought that it was still a good idea to send it out to some of the biggest world's executive brands and to his biggest surprise, it was the best response he ever got. So we dive into why is it that so many of us are afraid of putting humor in and putting ourselves into the copy that we send out and actually why there is so much to learn still today about mailing and newsletters and marketing and email marketing. He is the king of cold email. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you John Buchan. So, John, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Is this good? I think I that's good. Yeah, you might want to put it a little bit closer, but you're there good. You go. Yeah. Okay. Is this a bit awkward? No, no, it's fine. It's <laughs> just a little bit new. I'm not used to having like, but I'll yeah. get used to it. Cool. Um, so, one of the things, John, I was uh, really excited to get you to talk about today on the show, um, email. Yeah. You know, it's something that some people might say, do people still use email? Do we still need email? I mean, social media, you know, Snapchatting. And if you guys want to... F- Snapchat and Instagram and do what you crazy kids do. It's totally cool. Uh, you can use the hashtag, the unconventionalists. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so email, is there, is there still a future for email? Uh, definitely. Um, especially if you're trying to win business. Uh, you know, senior people still use email. You still use it every day. And it's still one of the best ways to get people's attention uh, if you do it well. Yeah, and that, that's what I want to talk to you about today. So take, take us back to that night when you thought it was a good idea to drink some gin, whatever the liquor was. Rum. I Rum. can remember that part. <laughs> I can only remember parts of it. Um, but I do remember thinking, I've got to write something completely different to what everyone else is writing. Uh, and I knew what people were writing, because even as someone that did digital marketing, I would get cold emails to me offering me 
digital marketing. So I knew what everyone else was writing, and I, I think I knew the etiquette that the general rule was like keep it short, uh, functional, Dear Mr. Smith, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm going to do the complete opposite to that. So even even uh, not saying dear, I would say greetings. <laughs> greetings, John. Because who says greetings? And uh, I, I just dis I didn't stick to any of the rules. Yeah. And when I reverse engineered why that email worked so well, it's because I, I never trained in copywriting or anything like that. Mm. So all of the other emails that these senior marketing directors were getting, were using copywriting hooks and all of these different things that everyone used. Yeah. Whereas I was using sort of like joke formulas from stand-up comedy and sitcoms, and they hadn't seen that before. And I w th th people would say, look, you've made our whole office laugh out loud, or you've made me laugh out loud, or even if you've just made my day, you've made me smile, yeah. I'd like to meet you. <laughs> and we, it's as simple as that. If you can make someone smile and make them laugh, yeah. you can get a meeting with them. And I met with Red Will Bull, PepsiCo, Hewlett Packard, Cisco, Samantha, yeah, that, Barclays, that, HSBC. Yeah. That's crazy, though, because I remember when I was reading, reading up about your story. Um, was there a side of you when you kind of woke up the next day and you must have thought, fuck me, someone's answered? No, <laughs> well, yeah, my favorite response that I got in the morning um, wasn't the most glowing one in the world, but it simply read, my colleague forwarded me your spam email and would like to meet you to discuss opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I was pretty amazed. Cause yeah. I and then I kept sending it. And every time I would send it out, every time I pressed a button, I would get more meetings. And I was like, I found a magic trick. Yeah. I found well, a way in. Yeah, because um, if I'm not mistaken, you've got like a background in, in agency. You, you, you kind of yeah. hopped around for about five years. And then yeah. your brother and you decided to create an agency in 2010. Yeah, yeah. So I moved to London in 2006. Yeah. And then quit my way to the top, just going from agency to agency. Yeah. And then set my own up in 2010. Yeah. And, that's, and then a year in, I was like, oh you have to actually try and get sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I want to talk about that. And, and just take a suit, because some people here may, maybe are thinking about setting up their own agencies yeah. or setting up their own businesses, or maybe in that transition. What was it like for you between the expectation and the reality of going from working for agencies to setting up a business with your brother? Yeah, it was interesting because I was always um, like closing deals when I was at other agencies. But those were warm leads. Like, I thought I was really good. I was closing all these deals, but that's easy when you're just given leads. So I didn't know how to open, and um, that's the thing. You've got to be able to open opportunities. Uh, if you're just relying on other people and word of mouth, that's not predictable. Uh, that can stop at any time, and it can dry up, and you've got to be able to make your own opportunities. And when you get that skill, that is a brilliant place to be in, that you know that you can guarantee I can get this many meetings if I put this much effort in. That's a brilliant place to be because she never goes away yeah but you weren't always like this like no. this kind of confident of knowing that you could open up any doors or get any meetings like there must have been a point where you must have thought oh, I can't, i'm dreading sending this email i can't <sighs> believe i'm gonna i wish i wish i could tell you a tale of woe <laughs> but it was the first one i sent was magic <laughs> um uh, but I, I guess so i never wanted to cold call i think that was my thing i, I still now would not want to cold call because the best even the best salespeople. Uh, that I've seen that do cold calling all day, they get still get told to fuck off quite <laughs> often. So um, uh, I never wanted to do that, and I think that's why I started cold emailing. Yeah. But and it, it, well, to look at it this way, I, I had to get drunk to do it, so I must have been afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it's um, and I think the, the the moment for me when it, when you look at the sort of the archetype of the story of your story, it's like your uh, word-to-mouth leads were drying up. Yeah. And so you were kind of face against the wall and you had to do something. 
Um, and that was that moment that night when you sent that email. Yeah. Now, you said you looked at it and reverse engineered to understand why it worked so well. Why yeah. did it work so well? Uh, I looked at it and uh, the very first line uh, tells, it, tells a, a lot of it. The, the very first line something like, um, greetings, first name, you've never heard of me, hi, I'm John. I got your details from a list, gasp. But hey, at least you're list worthy. That's <laughs> got to be worth something, right? So for people in marketing, being on a list means you're on a list of people. And they get emailed all the time because they're on some kind of list. But no one has thought to compliment these people that they've made it. You know, that it's, it's <laughs> somehow like a good thing. And, and also, no one else emailing them is being that honest. Like, who admits that in the first line? Mm. Most emails start with, do you have this problem? Do you have... And no one speaks like that. Yeah. So I would, I'm just going to go and lay in my, be as honest as I can initially, and uh, that will disarm people. And um, I learned that this, this actually is a persuasive skill. Um, Warren Buffett does it in his stock presentations. Not that he has much bad news, but he'll start with the worst news he has. Yeah. Um, because then everything else he says has more credibility. Mm. And that's exactly what you do there. The very first line does that. So kind of so what, so what I'm hearing is like one of the tips is like one of the first opening lines of email, just be honest about, yeah. you know, if you got, if you managed to find this email because you nicked it off your mate while he was in the toilets on a phone, yeah. just say, hey, I stole your, your email or whatever. Yeah. It's really hard to be annoyed at someone when you've, you've already yeah. stated your intentions or you've already apologized. It's really hard to be annoyed at someone, once yeah. you've said that. especially if you're funny when you're doing it. You yeah, can get yeah, away yeah. with anything if, you, if you're funny, even sending cold emails. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, this is, this is something I've heard you say before around when we send emails, we awkwardly change the way we speak. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I've met... Because I've always been the other way around where I can't write in the uh, sort of... I tried to do a corporate copywriting gig last year and I couldn't do it because it was writing in this just way that was not natural. And uh, it definitely happens to people. They, get, they can be the funniest person ever, but they get in front of a computer and they're scared to even put a smiley face. They're like deleting it, like, can I put that? And I think the other part is that you put people on a pedestal. Um, just because someone, here's one of the most, the objections that I always get is, that's all well and good for you, John, but that won't work in this industry, this boring industry, or that won't work on CEOs. As if someone becomes the CEO of Red Bull and then decides, I'm not gonna laugh anymore now that I've <laughs> made it. That was for when I was not successful. You can't pigeonhole people by job title Everyone uh, has a sense of humor, most people. And if they don't, you probably don't want to work with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably very self-selecting. Yeah. And is, is, uh, is humor teachable? Uh, yes, it's... Uh, I was on a, a, a podcast with a copywriter. He used to be a stand-up comic. And oh, he, yeah, he, he said, uh, it's... Uh, I can't... I'm not getting this right, but it's teachable to the teachables or something like that. And there are structures. Like, if you watch any stand-up or sitcoms or which I did from, I think that's why it was ingrained from the age of like six till a teenager, watching it till the early hours. There are little, there are formulas. There's the triples, where there's the power Bill, of three. Bill, 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 kill. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th there's the uh, reverse. There's, there are formulas that you can use which are teachable. Mm. Um, some people have a more natural ability to do that. Um, some people have more defined personalities than others. Um, but there are definitely structures. You know, all comedy is is uh, using words and rhythm and timing to, to elicit humor. So there are definitely f uh, formulas there. It's easier for some people to learn. So anybody here who thinks that they uh, can't learn how to make humorous copy, yeah. it's, it's, it's learnable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So this is this is something that also wanna, I also want to want to talk about. So now you've you've quit, you've stopped doing your agency with your brother in 2016. Is that right? Last year? Yeah, I, I realized after all this time, and I still have the digital marketing skills. Uh, all this time working with technology, the thing I'm best at is putting the right words in the right order to the right people mm. and opening these opportunities. I don't know why it took me five years of getting these glowing responses to discover that, mm. but I'm glad I finally got there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, it, it's. You know, I really want to sort of draw in because you almost make it sound like, oh, it was maybe, maybe, maybe it was an easy process. But I think I don't know if there's anybody here who's got that fear of like, oh, but what if I, what if I quit my gig and I try and set up my own business and I fail and I don't get those leads or I don't get those things open? Um, what kept you going in those moments of doubt and those moments of fears? Alcohol. <laughs> 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 this podcast does not support it's drinking support. <laughs> um, there comes a point where it, my friend said this t to me the other week, um, uh, where it's like, yeah, I think what runs you, John, is that you don't believe that you can fail. Whereas I'm like, no, I've just failed so many times. Like most of my emails don't get responded to, but uh, people only remember the great results you've got. So it's just fail so often that it's not scarce resource anymore. It just doesn't bother me. Yeah. Uh, but the more I do that and the more I try things out, uh, the more I will find success. Yeah. And um, I still have campaigns that fail. And I still think, oh, I've lost it. Humor doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but uh, that's not the case. What's the most daring line you sent, thinking, ooh, I can't send this. This is, this is too much. <sighs> I think there was one to a... Uh, oh, this, there, was one <laughs> there was one recently to a client that I... We've got like an on-off relationship. And during the hurricane, I emailed saying... Uh, uh, are you in Florida by any chance? I got a humorous response to it, though. Um, <laughs> and then there was, uh, I, there's been others, but I can't remember them yeah. immediately. That was daring. That could have got silence <laughs> and it could have got awkward. But uh, yeah. yeah. And so now you teach that, right? So now like the Charm Offences, talk to us a bit more about what Charm Offences does then. So yeah, at the end of uh, March this year, uh, just on a whim, uh, there was another group that I liked on Facebook called The Cult of Copy. Mm. And I just found it interesting. just created this weird atmosphere, this very cool group uh, where he taught people sales copywriting. And I uh, had a paid call. I did a call with the, the guy that runs it. It's got like 26,000 members. Mm. And uh, I told him my story. And he said, yeah, I think you've got something unique enough that this could, this could work. Mm. And I started it up and I started writing. And I was just myself. And uh, it resonated. Uh, my stupid way of doing business People enjoyed it, and uh, people were very curious because I didn't show my templates, like the emails I would send were sending for the first few months. Yeah. So I just put the screenshots up, and parts of it were censored because it would give away what was in the template. And everyone was like, "What the hell are you writing to get these responses?" <laughs> so that kind of helped, and it just took off. Yeah, and uh, it was the best decision I've made uh, in business for a long time. Because you got like four thousand members now. Yeah, yeah, like nearly. Uh, yeah, four thousand five hundred. Well, when did when uh, you start it? Uh, the end of March, start of wow. April. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. So, what's what's been a secret for people here who I'm thinking, hey, I've got a side bro project, a side hustle, yeah, uh, whatever it is. You know, I want to start a Facebook group. I want to get people. What would be like a little tip or a secret you can yeah. share with them? Yeah, there's um, because there are so many Facebook groups. You've got to have something distinct. Like for me, I combine two elements that shouldn't really go together. So it's like cold pitching and humor. It shouldn't really go together. People are like that's interesting and it seems to be working and he's got loads of proof um so that's something having a unique angle 
because I see so many Facebook groups and um, the ones that have got a unique angle, um, showing up every day is important. And the other thing I did was I helped people obsessively for three months. Like I offered, like I did like free mentor, me mentorship, which I didn't have time for, but I, I just did it. And everyone that messaged me, I went out of my way to help. And because of that, when they got results, they would post their screenshots of their success. Oh. And now it's, I don't have to solicit those testimonials. Other people try my advice, they post their results. So I've got this continual flow of social proof yeah. uh, that I sort of, I started myself by just helping people and then yeah. some of them I'd, I'd go, can you post those screenshots? So that would help. That yeah, I, I just want to hone in that, that point just for a second because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with around this idea of like, how much should I be giving? How much should I be giving away? What should I be charging? And what I'm hearing you say is that actually in the first three months, you were just like, I'm just going to help you as much as I can, give you as much value as I can. Yeah. And that paid off tenfold by them then sharing their like winning almost yeah. moments. And that made you shine, yeah. I guess. As, as a and that's now a, because so many people do that, uh, did that, that, and I solicited a lot of those testimonials, uh, people do it without me soliciting them now. So they'll take my advice, whether it's they've paid for a course of mine or mm. they've just taken the free advice. Mm. It's a, a behavior that people do now yeah. because it's a thing. People just post their results and go, yeah. thanks, John, another one today went up. So um, to start with, yeah, if, uh, if you don't have a following already, which I didn't have, I've been in business a long time and I've never tried to build like a profile or a following. Um, so my way around that was, well, I'm just gonna make sure so many people uh, do well uh, that people have to take notice. I love that. I love that. I love. Th I love the idea of like actually, yeah, I'm going to help you win. Yeah. And there's there's um there's a growth hack that you use as well to grow your Facebook group that I heard you share in one of the podcasts. Sure. Um, do you remember the whole thing about if you invite five friends? Oh yeah. 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 Do you yeah, share yeah. that because I think that was really yeah, valuable yeah. to understand so, um, people how do you grow organically a Facebook group. So I would have various uh, paid products, um, and then there was like a call with me, which is the most valuable. I'd give you an hour Skype session. And uh, so I, I would make posts and it said, invite 10 people and you'll get a warm, fuzzy feeling that you've done a nice thing. Uh, invite uh, 20 people and I will give you some kind of cheat sheet. Invite 50 people, I will do an hour Skype call with you and I'll review your copy. Yeah. And loads of people would do that because it's easier than paying me money. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get, uh, it sounds a douchey phrase, but social capital. Yeah. People can spend that. And uh, that helped grow the group. And and did you have your form, your intake form on your Facebook group right from the get-go or did you get that afterwards? What's that, sorry? You know when you have to join the group, it says like, hey, what's your wha wha where are you on your business? Uh, yeah, th um, I didn't initially because it was in beta, so I didn't get that option. Yeah. As soon as it became available, I, I put that on and I asked for people's yeah. emails. They don't have to. But so, so for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, um, I actually just for the, for the purpose of like research for this interview and stuff, I asked to join John's group and I... It was amazing that there was um, there was a button that you could click. So you click to like like page or join secret group, whatever. And then there's a form that pops up and it says, "Hey, where are you out on your business? What's one of your biggest challenges? And do you want me to send you a free template of how to do your copy?" Blah, blah, blah. And I yeah. thought that was genius. Yeah, yeah. So that, that last one, it says, um, "Would you like a magic email cheat sheet?" Yeah. Uh, if so, put your email below. If not. Yeah. leave it blank I won't be too offended yeah and that was my worry was that if I said you had to some people wouldn't join um, mm. uh, but if you make it uh, optional. So it's not man it's optional actually more people give you their email if you make it optional. yeah if you find like a conversion rate pretty yeah yeah it's uh, haven't looked at it yeah, yeah. in a while but it, it, it's I've got the best of both worlds where yeah. I'm not 
not taking people into the group that don't want it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm getting but emails I, every day. But I think what you're doing is very smart. It's one, it's one thing that I teach on the Accelerator program, which I think a lot of people forget, and I, I say this to everyone here and listening, is that we try and put so much time to build our social media following. But the problem is that you're on rented land. Yeah. And it's like the moment that algorithm changes, the moment that yeah. company decides to shut down, you lose everyone that's following you. Yeah. And so I think what you're doing is actually genius, yeah. that yeah. you're finding a way to, to get them from off the platform onto your yeah. own funnel, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that was my paranoia at yeah. work. I was like, uh, this is too good to be true because it was going so well. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> they're going to get rid of groups at some point or they're going to restrict the reach. Yeah. So I need to pull them to yeah. something that I own. And an email list is a way of doing that. So so let's, let's trip it back a sec. So someone listening to this, or someone here today listening to this, um, they're thinking, okay, they've got someone in mind. So maybe everyone here can think of someone in mind that they'd like to contact. Or someone listening to this, you want to think about someone in particular, an industry expert, an influencer, someone you want to you get in touch with. What would be like your first nugget that you'd want to sort of tell them about to get ready for that email? Or what would be a preparation tip that you want to share with them? So if it was, it depends how uh, high profile they are. Um, if it's if it's a one-to-one -one email and you really want to make a good impression, uh, obviously do your research on them and, and add in elements that shown that you actually know about them, that yeah. this is no mass mail. Although a lot of my emails originally were mass mailers, but if there's someone that you really want to contact, you mm. know, it's one person in particular, show that you know about them. You've you know you've watched their videos, you've read their book, whatever it might be. Mm. And my other one is is um, have a good opening line <laughs> and. Uh, so one I, I've used to get on loads of podcasts is, um, uh, and this is an example of a joke formula, it's uh, called the triple reverse, which is, uh, I wanted, uh, greetings, first name, I wanted to introduce myself in a way that showed I was interesting, witty, and clever. Alas, I wrote this email instead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like self-deprecating, and, and it's kind of a cheesy joke, but it works. Yeah. If, if you can get someone to smile, and then you can go in like, I read, or I've, I'm a big fan of this book that you wrote. Yeah. Here you go, Rob. And then you can put your ass in. But and I, I, sorry. No, no, it's so true. I get solicited quite a lot for the podcast. It's pretty weird when you have a podcast. I know, Chris, you, you got that, yeah. But you, people start reaching out to you just randomly. And you get, most of them start looking all the same. So you get agents of people, like agents of authors, agents of speakers and stuff. And they'll be like, hi, Mark, we saw your podcast, loved it. So here's John. And it's like a 16-page biography about, <laughs> you know, who they are and stuff. And I always reply going, how did you find my podcast? Why did yeah. you think of me? Um... And it, and it, and it's just you just got to, this is just something to keep in mind that keep it personal. What about the length in terms of like how long should you? Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, uh, a lot of my emails are longer than uh, you're meant to have by etiquette. Loads of people say keep them really short, but I think that that rule is there for people that can't write. Mm. That's <laughs> <laughs> if you're captivating and funny, you can write a long email. Um, uh, what? What I would say is that uh, th when I got in the uh, Kevin Rogers podcast, which is, I didn't know it, but it's a pretty high-profile marketing podcast, mm. um, I just wanted to go on it because there was someone kind of similar to me that had gone on, and I just went on his media page, and I contacted all the podcasts he was yeah. on. And um, he, ident <laughs> he identified, uh, the, uh, Kevin Rogers identified that I'd used kind of like a copywriting formula by accident, yeah. which is, um, see if I can remember it, uh, identity, struggle, discovery, surprise. So for me, identity, I ran a digital marketing agency, yeah. uh, struggle, I was failing to get leads, and then discovery and surprise, I wrote this cold email, went drunk, and it, it worked. Yeah. So that kind of formula, that tell it's like a storytelling formula that works really well. Yeah. Identity, struggle, discovery, surprise. Um, and then uh, also importantly, if you're trying to get into a podcast mm. or something like that, is um, 
why should they have you on? What benefit mm. is it is to them? Mm. And uh, and I would just state like four or five reasons why I'd be a good guest. And um, you know, it's got to be beneficial to them. Yeah, there was there was a question that came up to me when I was uh, looking up your story, and I was thinking. So you send out this email, you get an amazing response. Was there a bit of a fear that you wouldn't be able to follow up the first email with just the same kind of humour? No. Uh, not really, because I, uh, I usually just follow it with like passion. I was like, really, I'm really passionate about what mm -hmm. I do, mm -hmm. and so instead of trying to be funny all the time, although I will do that if I can, uh, I follow it with just like I'm really passionate about what I do, and I've got ideas for them, mm -hmm. and my enthusiasm takes over. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and that is the uh, most efficient cosmetic there is is enthusiasm. Yeah. Like if you, I I have won deals uh, over far more competent agencies with far bigger budgets, ostensibly better case studies, <laughs> that's bitter, um, <laughs> more awards, fancier offices, because I went in and I was passionate and enthusiastic and they went mm. in with their robotic approach and I won. So you don't always have to be funny, but always be enthusiastic and, and that can win. I love that. Time. Yeah. yeah. Th there's, there's, I've heard you speak about this before, but you said there was, I think it was 2009, was it, that you went through a bit of a bad time, went through depression. Yeah. You went through a tough time. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with or go through, especially when they go into the entrepreneurial yeah. journey, that not a lot of people talk about it. I talked yeah. about it a bit my, yeah. in my TEDx talk. Um, is that something you'd like to share to someone listening, or maybe someone here today that might be facing that today or might be yeah. going through that, that you might want to sort of give them an advice or a tip? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had the same thing even uh, this year. Mm. Um, like before I started my Facebook group, I had some uh, personal stuff that I had to go through. Uh, but I've always said that the worst times in my life have led to the best times. Like mm. you can, I forget the term, it's uh, not fall up, but there's, there's, there's some thing where you, whatever you're going through, uh, you can turn it into an advantage, turn a negative into a positive. Mm. And... Um, I, I like like everyone. You go through those times where everything is negative, and self pity is very addictive. It destroys everything but itself. Um, but I've always found that th at some point I'll just try something and it will work. So th that's my advice. If you go through that, just try and do some new Keep things going. you've not done before, and you'll 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 come across something that that works. Yeah. So with me, it was the Facebook group. Or uh, in 2006, I moved to London. I wouldn't have done that if I was not depressed. Mm. I would have stayed up north. Um, I wouldn't have quit the agency job, I was very well paid, um, uh, but my enthusiasm had gone, so I started my own agency. Mm. Uh, this year, I was going through some stuff and then just decided, ah, let's see if I can build a following, and it worked. So just try things on a whim, and you'll fail enough that one of them will work. Yeah. So my, my system is not the most efficient in the world. I'm not very analytical, but I just keep trying stuff and I keep doing the stuff that works, yeah. and that's pretty much it. No, I love that. What's what's next then for uh, for Charm Offensive? Um, I need to weirdly. I need to get good at uh, writing emails to my list because mm. uh, it's weird writing to an opt people that have opted in. Yeah, it's <laughs> for me, it's actually harder because all my whole humour is based on the fact we don't know each other. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> so I'm uh, hey stranger. <laughs> yeah, so I'm having to. Um, because uh, all this having digital products and trainings and things like that and having a following is so new to me. Mm. Like someone wrote to me the other day, like, I've read all your stuff. And I was like, that made no sense like five <laughs> months ago. Um, so for me, it's just to continue building on it. I'm going to uh, master other, um, other platforms. So I want to have a good YouTube channel. Uh, I want to um, 
build my email list up, I want to get into messenger bots, I want to launch new products. So as soon as I figure something out, like I want to get really good at Facebook ads yeah. in my quirky style, sure. I can build a training on that. Yeah. And um, I just want to sell, uh, stop selling my time, uh, which I, I just about started doing. Mm. Um, if I Who sell can, my time. I mean, I don't know if anybody can relate to this. In this, in this audience tonight or on the podcast, but I can guarantee so many people always go, I feel like I'm always exchanging my time for yeah. money. Yeah. Right, like as a freelancer or uh, or even as when you start your own business. Yeah, yeah so what, what's been something that you managed, you just said you just managed yeah, to stop yeah, well doing I, that. I always used to joke, so I, uh, when I worked for agencies, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I had my own agency? And then I had my own agency and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I had an agency with no clients? And now <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have just about done that. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if I sell my time, it will be for a lot of money because uh, it, it's the most finite resource we yeah. have. And I've just about managed that, but sales, I'm very impatient. I, I want it to grow yeah. faster than what can. What's the tip for someone here to close a sale? Like, close like, a sale. like if you're like by email, let's say for whatever reason it's by email, what would be like a sentence or a line maybe that you could, you could share with someone? I, that you I might could share. Uh, haven't done a job interview in ages, but this was always... Uh, but I got every job interview I ever went for. Okay. And I always, the last, you know when they ask you, do you have any questions? I would always say, yeah, can I have the job? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> it worked mostly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it worked, it worked pretty well. Um, but on the, on the subject of, um, uh, when you're putting a proposal together and you're uh, sending it on, yeah, you, you, you've got to maintain that passion in, the, in that email of, yeah. There's so much advice about framing your communications with clients as if like you've got to be aloof and pretend like this isn't important and you're the prize and there's all this like weird scarcity mindset. Yeah, yeah there's fear, all this kind of yeah. stuff where you're, where you're like, yeah, I've only got two places available. Uh, and I'm like, no, I just go in with and I'm genuine and like this is an amazing, like when I won Symantec, which was my first like gigantic client, uh, in my email to them, I was just honest. Like, I, I recognize this is an enormous opportunity. You're taking a huge chance um, because they're very risk-averse, big clients. They don't usually hire small agencies. And um, uh, sometimes showing weakness like that and, 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 and showing how important some of that, that can pay off. Yeah, there's the, you know, what you speak to, there's, there's another great podcast called The School of Greatness that's hosted by Lewis Howes. And um, he had on the show the former director of FBI negotiations or something like that. And you were sharing the skill that one of the things they do when they talk with potential terrorists and hostage situations and so forth is that he names the obvious of what the other person's probably thinking. Yeah. And so it calls it disarming. Yeah. So it's like without, without necessarily going that far, but it's something like you're probably thinking that I'm on this phone to give you a bad deal or, say, or buy some time so we can come in and execute you to save the hostage. Yeah. And so automatically what he says that does is that then it, it kind of levels up a little bit the pocket. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Now we're kind of clearing the space between yeah. what's us. Yeah. Yeah. There's I love that. There's definitely something. Uh, I don't know how it came that uh, in, in, in business communications we um, opt to talk in this formal pretend way. I think it's PR agencies have made loads of money in the last mm. uh, 50 years telling people to talk in this very jargony way. There was actually a great article in the Financial Times uh, in the last few days. I can't believe I've only found this journalist now. I forget her name now, but it was on corporate jargon. And um, and she gave all these examples. And w there was one, I forget who said it, but he, she quoted it saying, um, this is what he said, uh, we have to learn to language this somehow, be language this better. And she goes, I agree, we do. <laughs> it's like all these jargony terms. Yeah. 
and uh, something's gone wrong in business communications yeah. and I think if we could all be a bit more honest and human it would make it more enjoyable yeah no, I love that. There's um, uh, I, I've got it, I've got his name somewhere. I've got some notes. I forgot. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a guy called David. I just remember his first name. I met this guy uh, who was doing this class at the Guardian Masterclass like years ago on Twitter, and uh, he was the creator of uh, a hawk. There's a hawk in Wimbledon. So apparently, Wimbledon had a huge crisis at some point with pigeons, and so it wasn't very PR to shoot them. Uh, from a distance and so they had to get in a hawk to try and chase these pigeons away <laughs> and so they called him Rufus Rufus the hawk and so this guy decided to do a fake Twitter account Yeah. and uh, I'll try and share it with all of you if you want to find out the notes but it was very humorous it was like yeah. I, you know, I nodded at Federer he didn't reply you've changed you know, yeah. it was like all this stuff and humor really helped them sell and, and build this brand. Yeah. Um, so we come to the end of the interview and, and I've just got a few more questions for sure. you. Before I do that, though, I just want to um, just take a moment actually to, to acknowledge your courage to have uh, been willing to send out an email that is completely unlike what anyone would have ever told you that yeah. they would have been able to do. Um, and you know, we talk about being disruptive. We talk about changing things are. And I think that one email is a perfect example. And, you know, I do recommend anyone listening to this, anybody here tonight, check out John's Facebook page because you've got screenshots of replies. And I make up the general replies of people from like different companies saying, hey, you know, thanks for email. I don't have any budget. I think there's ones like I don't have any budget. I don't have any money, but I want to take the time for this. So. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge you for that and to say thanks Thank for you. showing us the way to being more human and more humorous in, in our emails. Thank you. Um, if I could give you the, the billboard outside of Piccadilly Circus, the dig digital bulls on the top, and you could have one message yeah. that would be shown to everybody in London walking, what yeah. would that message be? Oh God, you're putting me on the spot now. Um, in Piccadilly, what message would I have? Oh, I've got another one, actually. Sure. In fact, uh, scrap that. <laughs> no, 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 I've got a much better one for you. Um, if you could send an email into everyone's inbox, yeah. and you could only have one line, yeah. what would that line be? Uh, if you get an email about some odd tinned meat, don't worry, it's just spam. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old, silly joke. Um, I don't know. Um, I'd pro Probably some platitude about treating each other better and that kind of stuff. Uh, or just a picture of a dog wearing a monocle, or something <laughs> absurd like that, <laughs> which I've used to get sales before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's one thing most people don't know about you? Um, I don't know. Uh, most people don't know anything about me. Most people don't know me. Um, I don't know. I did stand-up comedy for a year or so. Yeah, how was that? Yeah. Uh, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, what does being unconventional mean to you? Uh, just not, not, can I, I've sworn already. Can yeah, I yeah, swear? yeah. Not yeah. giving a fuck. Yeah. Don't care. The, those, the people that set the rules, someone just said that once. It, it doesn't mean anything. Um, they're a, they're a guideline uh, and nothing else. Um, yeah, just have fun. And the other thing is have fun. Uh, most of what, uh, like writing that email really, I think was mostly like, I just want to write something that's fun for me to write yeah. and more fun for them to read. So yeah. have fun, experiment. Don't worry when it doesn't go right. Uh, you have enough experiments. One of them is going to work. Um, that's not the most efficient system in the work world, <laughs> but it's worked for me. Yeah, Cool. John, where, where do you hang out the most online? Where can people find you? Um, 
usually obsessively in my Facebook group, yeah. uh, Charm Offensive, and um, uh, Facebook mostly, and um, LinkedIn actually is a really good network at the moment. Mm. They're getting better and better. And Reddit. I've yeah. worked on Reddit. Yeah. But by the way, just just random questions. Does everything that you just talked about today about email, does that apply also to social media, to LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah. The similar uh, principles like the um, context can be a little different. As I talked about with cold pitching compared to uh, if they're opted into your list, the context is different. Yeah. Um, but the same rules apply. Uh, if you can make people smile, uh, you'll see more success than being boring. B2B doesn't have to mean boring to boring. That's, yeah. the, that's the quote. And um, <laughs> love that. And uh, so yeah, similar, it's slightly different, but yeah, the same general principles apply to any kind of com communications. I think. Love that, ladies and gentlemen, the man who made a million pounds revenue from a drunk email. Let's give a warm welcome and goodbye. Thank you very much. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did. And it was just such a special occasion to get to do this episode live in front of a live audience. Big shout out and thank you to everyone who came to this session. And I really hope that we can organize many more to come in the near future. I'm transitioning way more towards video just purely because I find that it's a medium that is suiting me more and more these days. So if you want to continue the conversation, come and check out and connect with me on youtube.com forward slash Mark LaRoost. In the coming weeks, I'll be releasing some never released episodes on the audio podcast. These have been interviews I've been doing over the last few years and I've released them here and there on YouTube, but never on this podcast. We've got some incredible guests like Daniel Priestley, Johnny Benjamin, and CK Flash, to name a few. We've got so much more good stuff coming your way. I'll be releasing this sporadically while I still take my paternity leave. And if you don't know why I'm taking a paternity leave, make sure to go and check out the previous episode where you heard the one and only lullaby for my daughter Sophie, composed by my dad, Francois Roost. Here's another little sneak peek. I don't know about you, but it just gets me every single time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to go and give John some love. All the show notes are over at marklews.com forward slash podcast or just simply type the unconventionalists.com. I love you. And as always, go and be you no matter what that means to you. <laughs>